Warning, the following content is not politically correct. Viewer discretion is advised. Welcome in, everybody. Um, so today I have a very special guest. Um, she is running for the Miami-Dade Commissioner District 10 as a Libertarian candidate. And she is host of Latin Libertinas. Is that correct? <laughs> uh, Latin Libertarians. Okay. And then um, you are also working a lot with people for Cuba. Um, Martha Bueno. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. This is so awesome. Yeah. Thank you for joining. Um, this is my first live stream since i've been uh, monetized and so it's a really special one too because we are raising money people for cuba right <laughs> well hopefully um yeah, yeah. so <laughs> hopefully we get to people in. What, yeah right hopefully um <laughs> people for cuba so we started an organization after the july 11th protest for those that don't know what's going on in cuba um july 11th kind of so Cuba's had communism for the last 62 years, right? And Fidel Castro was the unelected president. He passed away. He left it in, in the hands of his brother, Raul Castro. And then um, now it's in the hands of another unelected president, Diaz-Canel, uh, Miguel Diaz-Canel. And um, Cubans don't have food. Now with COVID, they're starving. There's like real desperation for, for things on the island. So um, on July 11th, there was this huge protest all around the island. It's the first time that... Um, it was happened in like I think 40 different towns and people started going onto the streets and protesting and typical fashion of these communist regimes. They, um, yeah, they started throwing people in jail. They, there's over 800 people that are missing and, or in jail and, or dead. And, um, you know, we started sending medicine to Cuba because they really don't have any people really dying of COVID and other things. They were already desperate before. So anything that um, we raise goes straight to getting more medicine into the hands of Cubans on the island. So thanks again for doing this. Of course. I, I, it's it's my pleasure. Like I was telling you, I, I kind of always hope to be this voice for change. I'm a huge volunteerist. So it's what we can do to help, right? Um, so I, I kind of want to dive a little bit into you, though, too, because um, I think it's your pin post on Twitter, and it really captivated me, like your parents' story escaping for Cuba. Can you just talk about that a little bit more? <laughs> of course. So, um, like I said, the situation in Cuba, it's not new. It's been happening for 62 years. It actually, so my parents were born in the mid 40s. Sorry. Yeah, mid 40s. So um, they were young kids when the revolution happened or, you know. Um, fifth, it happened in 1959. So people are, my parents are, are in the late 70s. So, you know, when you think about it, they were kids when this happened. Nobody in Cuba has voted for a president like ever. If you're under the age of 80, um, and even before, because they had a, a, a communist, a, a dictator before, he wasn't communist, but he was a dictator before Batista. So people in Cuba are not used to this thing that we have. Anyways, longer story short, um, my dad, when he was, um, you know, wanted to go to college, he wanted to be a veterinarian. And in Cuba, they make you take this test. And they're like, if we get to choose what what you're going to go to school for. Um, and then you have to join the communist regime in order to get your diploma. So he decided that that wasn't for him and he wanted to leave. And he attempted to escape Cuba 
um, you know, and he got caught and he got given a six to eight year sentence of which he serves the first six months in a actual jail, like a prison. And then he got sent to work in the gulags. He got sent to work um, out in the fields. And about six months after that, so a total of a year sentence, my mom broke him out of jail. <laughs> my grandmother had planned the whole thing. And at the last minute, she, she figured she couldn't do it. And my mom was like, guess I'll do it. Broke him out of jail, got him and about 12 of his closest uh, buddies there in the jail system out. And then drove my dad to a town right, out, right outside of Guantanamo Bay, where after waiting in hideout for about a month, he uh, jumped into the bay uh, through an outhouse. I mean, like the story is just crazy. Like I tell people, yeah. this, I, I don't know. My, yeah, my mom broke my dad out of jail and um, he ended up swimming about a mile to this little island between the town and Guantanamo Bay. And um, when he got there, there was a soldier on that island and he reached out his hands and said, welcome to America. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's like something that, I mean, why, why isn't this a movie, you know? <laughs> You could seriously make that a movie. It sounds like a movie. It's amazing. You know what's funny though is that this story, when I tell it, I didn't. I grew up hearing the story, and I always thought it was like common. And it's not until I've like really ventured out into. Okay, so I live in Miami. This isn't real America. I I find like anything yeah. north of us is like entering into real America. This is as close as one can get in Latin America with like. You know, in the United States, getting into Latin America, it's, it's we have a very weird culture. So here, everyone's heard a story either like my parents or they have their own. So I thought it was just common. And it's not until now that I'm, you know, talking outside of the bubble that is Miami that people are like, really? That happens? And I'm like, I guess this is kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the whole thing about just breaking somebody out of prison seems like, <laughs> how do you do that? I don't know. But it is interesting that you talk about, too, because you said that they can't go into anything of their choosing. And I keep telling people this all the time. I, I said what the what the left doesn't realize in this country is that when you start paying for people's college, you're not going to be able to choose what to go go for. And you're going to graduate in four years. That's it. That's all you get. And you don't get to choose. So that's the thing about the, the system in Cuba is they give you a test. And they're like, these are the three things that we think you're going to be good at and choose one of these. And then once you've chosen it, it's not like you get to um, just go study it and then that's it. They expect something in return. Nothing in life is free. Yeah. So, of course, you know, you study this thing. And in Cuba, it's you have to become part of the Communist Party. And most people, when I tell the story, they're like, well, what's the big deal? You just become part of the Communist Party. And it's like, no, no, it's not like here in the U.S. where you're like, oh, I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat or I'm a Libertarian. Yeah. And you don't have to do anything. Over there, you are part of the system. You are going to beat up people as part of, you know, yeah. you are going to spy on people. You are going to do these things. So, yeah, it's not the same and it's not good. And um, I don't get the obsession with free things. I don't because they're not free. No. And that's the thing is they grew up in this world where they haven't seen the things that your family has 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 seen um, and other people that speak out about it. But it's interesting because when you're looking at Cuba, like the current administration said that they won't accept people from Cuba right now. Which is insane. They will, Which, however, take them to the Guantanamo Bay detention deten, uh, detention center and leave them there. So yeah. you can leave Cuba for freedom, but if you get caught, now you're going to be put in jail in Cuba. I mean, 
just the irony of the whole situation is messed up. It, it it is. It's interesting because to let anybody come across the southern border, if they can get to Mexico and come to the U.S., then they're fine, right? But if they're fleeing from Cuba to the closest place, which is um, Key West, then right. they, then they can't, right? No, and the crazy thing is they have to get into most of these people that are coming here get into these unsafe vessels that they make themselves. And then yeah. travel across these straits, which is not the calmest of waters. There are sharks. There are tons of people that have perished, you know, have died in, in those waters. And then they make it yep. here. And it's like, oh, wait, now we're going to send you back. Same thing with Haiti. I think there's something to be said about, you know, not only this administration, every administration we've had, there's this kind of weird dichotomy. And before it was just Haiti. Now mm -hmm. they're throwing Cubans into this because before then we had the wet foot, dry foot policy that was ended at the very end of Obama's term, which any Cuban that just made it to the United States could stay. And I see, like, I believe in equality across, you know, all mm -hmm. these policies. So this is not something that I'm okay with just because it favors my people, right? I think that, that it should have been more fair across the board. Everyone should have a wet foot, dry foot policy. If you make yeah. it to the States, you should be able to stay here. I don't think we should have limited it to Cubans. But then to know that we're doing this to Haitians, for example, that are having just as bad a time as Cubans or Venezuelans yeah. or Nicaraguans. There's so many people that deserve to be able to reach freedom and we're just sending them back. And I find this, this whole policy messed up. And now yeah. it's, it's not kids in cages anymore. Now it's detention camps. So yeah, it's, it's, it is, it's, it's left, right doing the same thing as they've always done. Cause I remember, shoot, when was it? It was during the Bush administration. There was some Cubans that had come across on a boat, barely made it. A bunch of people died, but some people made it. And it was like this big controversy because the one child had made oh, it, but his parents did. Exactly which one you're talking. You start talking about. I think that was during Clinton, though, um, because it was, was it? Yeah, it was Janet Reno who was the uh, person in charge. I think she was. I don't remember the seat she was in. Um, Attorney General, I want to say, um, but she. Maybe. Well, the controversy was this child's mother died in the water, mm -hmm. right? This kid watched his mom die to give him freedom, and so make it to the U.S. He has family here, and then the Cuban regime, Castro at the time, found out, and he grabbed his dad. And people are like, "Well, his dad wanted him back." You don't understand. His dad gave permission for him to leave. His dad knew what was yep. happening. But when the Castro regime says, you're going to say that you want your son back, you're going to say you want your son back because the rest of your family um, could have potentially been, you know, th there was danger, I'm sure, on the island yep. for those that didn't do what Castro wanted. Long story short, we came into this poor kid's house. There's pictures all over the internet, if anyone wants to look it up, Elian Gonzalez. Um, and they came in with these big ass guns and they just pointed in this kid's face. He was hiding in the closet with his uncle and they ripped him from his uncle's hands and sent him back to Cuba. And now he's one of the poster childs for children, sorry, poster children for uh, the communist regime. Yeah, I, I, I haven't. Yeah, I just remember the story. I remember about it as well as I remember the Clinton Lewinsky scandal because I was still fairly young at the time. So I, yeah, I just remember, I thought it was later, but yeah, that makes sense. It's, it's amazing. Um, and it's, so it's been happening. It, it, it's the same thing. It's, it's the same thing that's been happening forever. And, 
And now I just start, I actually just saw this for the first time yesterday, a hashtag hands off Cuba. Have you seen this? I have not seen that one. What do you know what it was about? Or? So, oh, it's, it's, it's about, I think it's about the U S staying out of Cuba, Cubans business. And it's like lefties like all over it. Cause I've seen hands off Cuba, hands off Venezuela, hands off all oh this stuff. God. And it's like, wait a second. And I think that they're really advocating for the U.S. to trade with Cuba again, but they're the not. You know? Cuba, that's that's kind of the the misnomer is there is an embargo, there mm -hmm. is, but the embargo doesn't prohibit the United States from trading with Cuba. What it prohibits the United States from doing is giving credit to Cuba, because Cuba doesn't pay, and because th this really started back, um, you know, at the beginning of the revolution or whatever you want to call it in the 50s, where um, Fidel expropriated a lot of American businesses and a lot of American land from Americans. So, you know, if you had bought land in Cuba, but you were American, the, Fidel would just take it from you. So there was what is equivalent to, I want to say about billion, two, 20 billion US dollars worth of, of property that was taken. So this embargo was basically, hey, we're not going to give you credit until this is returned to the rightful owners, but the, it doesn't really stop us from, from exchanging goods into Cuba. We, we ship, we are the number one provider of medicine to Cuba. Yeah. And then we're also the number one provider of chicken, which is their only pretty much source of protein. So, I mean, there's this big notion out there that the United States is like, Hey, nobody can trade with Cuba. Cuba can trade with just about anyone. As a matter of fact, they trade with China, they trade with Mexico, they trade with Spain, they trade with Venezuela, gives them uh, oil, you know, by the boatloads, literally. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, people are like, well, if it wasn't for America, Cuba would be great. No, that's not true. The embargo in Cuba does not stop people from being able to fish, for example. That's the Cuban government. They're in an island. Yeah. They're surrounded by waters <laughs> filled with fish. And yet Cubans don't eat fish. They're not allowed to fish. And consequently, nobody yeah. in Cuba actually likes fish. They, they've never eaten it. They don't know how to eat it. Yeah. And it's interesting. Like there it's, if it wasn't for the U S then Cuba would be fine, <laughs> but they don't realize they're advocating for free trade, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes. I, I mean, yes, absolutely. They're advocating <laughs> for They're advocating. Well, what I see like the left advocating for is like hands off of Cuba. Like you just said about like the U S embargo. And they're like, well, if we just end the embargo, listen, you can end the embargo today. That's not going to change anything. I'm in favor of ending the embargo yeah. before, before people come and crucify me. I am yeah. definitely in favor of ending the Cuban embargo um, because it hasn't done anything. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. Nobody, you know, it, does, it hasn't stopped anything from happening. The United States still trades. The rest of the world still trades. The people at the top in Cuba are eating just fine. It's not hurting them. They got to die one of the richest people in the world. So, I mean, the embargo doesn't do anything, but to think that the United yeah. States, the reason why people are living the way they live is just, it's ludicrous. Yeah. And, and so it kind of brings it back around to like you guys uh, being able to get medicine and stuff in there. Like, how are you guys able to do that? Um, Cause I know when there was the protest before everything had kind of shut down. So is yeah. everything back open and running kind of as usual or can you talk about how you're getting medicine in there? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a little bit vague because I have to be. There are several methods that we are using to get things into Cuba. But the most important thing is we get it directly into the hands of Cubans. So we can't use um, 
the reason that you see, like, for example, containers arriving in Cuba and then um, not going to the people is because they'll arrive and the government will take it and put it into the MLS stores, which are the stores that sell things from the government in either U.S. dollars or in euros. Um, we have to ship it there directly into um, their hands. So we use alternative methods um, and we're definitely getting into their hands. It's um, yeah, I hate to be so vague, but we are putting people's lives at risk. No, oh, yeah. Discuss it directly, but it is all legal. I promise. We are using all legal methods. It's just we really <laughs> um, we want to make sure that the Cuban government doesn't uh, hear about which people or how we're getting it in because Absolutely. again, it's a communist dictatorship. So it's like getting things into North Korea. It's the same concept. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah, it's. It, you don't want to put those people at risk and that makes absolute sense that's why i said you know if you if, if you can talk about it <laughs> we can we can talk about all the sides of the us you know and what we're sending in so we're sending um mostly uh things like tylenol and like um neosporin like basic first aid and i know yeah. it sounds insane but cubans don't even have access to those things which you know, for people like me that we've lived here in the United States, I, I mean, I just grew up with this around me everywhere. So I'm used to that being the case. But I, when I explain it to people, they're like, what do you mean there's no aspirin? Yeah, there's no aspirin. And so there's COVID is real. I mean, I know we're libertarians and we like to joke about all these things, but COVID is really real and it's happening. Um, yep. And so these people don't have any medications if it does happen. So pneumonias and things of that nature, antibiotics, Nobody has it in Cuba. And if you can find it, it's costing about $300 a dose. And you put that in perspective, Cubans make about $40 a month. So you're talking about almost their entire year salary to be able yeah. to afford one treatment for antibiotics. So if your child is sick, if you're sick, mm -hmm. if you have a family member is sick, there's really no way to purchase it. So we've been getting large doses of antibiotics into Cuba which is the thing that I am most proud of that I've done in my life yeah. thus far. We've gotten about a thousand pounds of medicine so far into Cuba. And a lot of that has been antibiotics and things that people absolutely need. Yeah. It really, I guess it, it really is amazing what you guys are doing. I've been kind of watching for a while. Um, cause I know Spike was down there helping you guys raise money and Love that guy. yeah, I know I, I had him on the show a few weeks ago and, um, I, I told him that you, uh, you held you, you you won the contest. Actually, I had the picture actually pulled up. <laughs> what picture? What picture? What contest did I win? Oh, <laughs> uh, I love him though. You know, he wore that boob shirt really well. <laughs> um, yeah, I know, right? It is definitely one of the most amazing. I hate to use the word politician because I don't feel like either of us are, but yeah. he's definitely one of the greatest politicians. Um, I think ever, to be honest. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, he's one of those people that can bring everybody together. Um, everybody likes him. Everybody, um, and he he just makes so much sense when he ever he speaks. So and hearing him speak, I mean, this guy is like brilliant. I mean, he's just. I really enjoy him. I I, I do sound like his cheerleader. I'm like, yes, <laughs> you can do no wrong. Um, I'm sure not even his wife Tasha, who is. <laughs> Hello. Um, she's gorgeous yeah. and wonderful yes. and sweet and kind. I mean, they're just like the greatest couple. I have two yeah. couples that I'm like bonding over. Matt and Mary Kate are the other ones and then the comments. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's um, that's why. I mean, I had him on after hearing him speak in Michigan, and yeah, it was an amazing conversation. I love talking to him and everything like that. And he he, I know he's done a lot, even just for he goes and does stuff for everybody's organizations too. So he he's truly living up to what it means to be, you know, a voluntarist and and everything like that. So he he truly is. Like- I don't think he's going to run for president. I just have to say this makes me very sad. And also, I think that it's probably because we don't deserve to fight Colin. We don't. Yeah. We don't. I'm sorry. I, we, we don't. For an, an like 80-year-old man who doesn't even know his name. We do not deserve Spike Cohen. <laughs> no, we really don't. Um, you know, that's why we just need the, the great divorce to happen. And then we can get a Spike Cohen <laughs> in one of these in one of these areas, right? I want to move to wherever Spike Cohen is our president. I'm just saying that, like, whatever side of the country Spike Cohen is the president, that's my son. You will, you will leave beautiful Miami to go be with Spike Cohen. Oh, no, Spike Cohen's <laughs> moved down here. It's, it, and I need everyone to get on top of, like, Tasha. She's not on social media, though, so I can't, like, send an army out to be like, Tasha, you need to move to Miami. She's okay with Florida, but she refuses to move to Miami. And I want okay. to move to Miami. I'm going to be greedy and say Spike Cohen needs to move to Miami. Okay, so everybody watching, screenshot this, send it to Spike, and have him show it to Tasha. There we go. <laughs> there you go. Yes, be like, Tasha, I'm sorry. We just have to move to Miami because Martha's We, 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 we voted. We, we all voted. voted. We voted. He just <laughs> um, he, you know, he's very funny. He's, the, the thing I think most people don't realize is that who he is on social media is exactly who he is in person. And that level of just comedy happens all the time. So he says that he has to complete his character arc as a retired Jew. And I hope that this is (laughs) offensive. I'm only repeating what Spike said. Okay. So please, I'm just the messenger, but he said (laughs) his character arc as a retired Jew. So now he needs to move to Miami beach to finish it off. And I'm going to agree with him. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Okay. <laughs> well, well. <laughs> so back to the topic. <laughs> was there a topic? Um, I'm sorry, I'm like hijacking well, this whole interview. No, I think I took it in that direction. It was okay. I took that direction. <laughs> I mentioned that that you won the contest, and that that took it in that way. Again, but it kind of ties into. So, it's just, I, <laughs> we had to give us a shout outs, you know. <laughs> so. We had talked because it's interesting because we're talking about medicine and I know you had uh, commented even in your retweet of this episode today that you watched my episode about um, Dave Chappelle special. And what's really interesting about all of this and it ties into medical is everybody likes to play that Cuba has free medical yet you were having to send medical supplies over there. Like that's the biggest thing, like why LGBT people think that Cuba would be great for trans people because they give free, you know, all free trans surgeries and stuff like that. It doesn't make any sense. This is true though. They, they do um, <laughs> offer it in theory. In theory, if you, if you are Cuban and you want a surgery, they will give it to you. However, you have to wait for the supplies to be available. So, for example, sutures aren't available. They don't have anesthesia available. They don't have oxygen. There was this big news story when COVID started, like, really hitting a few months ago that there's no oxygen. How do you have a surgery if the oxygen plant is down and they can't even get it for COVID patients? They can't get it. Yeah. Um, there's this kid that that has become a friend of mine on the island. I say kid, but he's 26. 
He has cystic fibrosis, which if you know, it's a lung condition and his lungs often don't work and he needs oxygen and he couldn't mm -hmm. get it. We actually had a whole bunch of people from the U.S. just calling nonstop um, to try and get him oxygen anywhere we could find it on the island. So, um, yeah, that's the problem. So, yes, technically you can have whatever surgery you like. Unfortunately, you'd have to wait for it to be available to you, which will probably never happen. And then there's another issue with Cuba that I think um, I would really, if you don't mind, let's bring it up. Oh. Let's clear the air here because I see a lot of um, people in the LGBT community talking about Che Guevara. And you see people mm -hmm. with face on their shirts. Oh, yeah. like, wonderful. And Che Guevara is great. And I just have to say, if you are LGBTQ and you like Che Guevara, you need to go and inform yourself on him. He wrote letters to his father and he wrote books and they're published and you can read it in his own words, how he hated people of color and people that were LGBTQ. So he, I mean, I guess this is, we're talking about, you know, fifties and sixties. So he was talking about just gay at the time that was the prominent, you know, he didn't yeah. know yes or wasn't informed. But he would talk about gay men as inferior to him. And he would talk about it and say that he enjoyed killing them. And here I've seen pride flags with his face on it. And I'm yeah. like, I don't get it. Please, somebody explain it to me. Where along the line did, did he become the face of this movement? He's the opposite of the face of the movement. He literally yeah. talks about wanting to kill gay people. I don't get it. I It, it doesn't make any sense because... Like, I don't know where, I mean, Antifa and just leftists in general, they go off this rant and they, and they idolize these people who they don't support the values that they supposedly, you know, espouse and everything like that. Because, I mean, Che is a prime example of that, but there's a, a number of them, like, like Mao, for example, he's a, another one. It's like, are you kidding? Like, these people killed. <laughs> many people uh, you know millions of people yeah. and and che was very che well was known as everything i guess they they believe <laughs> yeah i mean he he talks about this in his letters to his father about how he would put a gun to a man's head and enjoy the feeling of pulling the trigger i mean and again he would do this to people of color or people that were he felt were inferior and among them he considers the community inferior so I don't know. It's one of those big head scratchers for me. And I just want somebody to explain it to me. Like Jay-Z famously was out photographed with a picture of Che Guevara, uh, you know, a shirt with Che Guevara yeah. on it. Like, did, did nobody pull him yeah. aside and say, hey, Jay-Z, let me explain. Or, or is he, or is he, I don't know, racist against us? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I think a lot of time these people that, you know, idolize communism as a whole, they're kind of in this, they, they think that this is this utopia thing. I mean, cause it, it, I don't know any communist regime that has been, you know, good to LGBT people in general and never in our history. I mean, look what's going on in China right now. We can look at China in and of itself and say they're taking, as they called them, you know, sissy men off TV. That's not that. I mean, that's a communist country that is, and they idolize communist. They idolize China. Like, it makes absolutely no sense. But I think that they think that if we do it here, they would have the power. I mean, because if you remember, 
when they set up that the Antifa zone or whatever it was in Portland last year, what happened? There was a Che, che wannabe that kind of propped himself up as the authoritarian, you know, the the person that was going to make things happen in the country that was going to force everybody to pull their weight type thing. So I think that they think that that would be them. But see, that's the thing. That's that's exactly the thing with communism is the people at the top, they have access to all of those things. So the people at the top in Cuba right now eat wonderfully. They eat like you and I do. They have lobster and, you know, like they can they have access to everything. And that, that movie that Michael Moore made, um, I don't know if people are familiar with it, but um, Michael Moore made a movie. He's that Canadian uh, director that did Bowling for Columbine and a few other movies. Yeah. He did one on Cuba and he's like, look at this healthcare. It's magnificent. He went to the one hospital in Havana that is where Fidel and, and Raul and all these people, all these prominent people at the top are able to get um, attention. As a matter of yep. fact, uh, Hugo Chavez from Venezuela, who was also a communist, who died after getting treated in Cuba, by the way, um, <laughs> he, you know, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. But that's the hospital he went to and he's correct that hospital is going to be as top of the line as any hospital here in the U.S. Now, I dare him to go to the hospital where my family would go to in Palma Soriano or in Santiago, in Olguín, or in Matanza, or anywhere along Cuba yeah. where you don't have access to these things. You know? Yeah, so, it's it's like it's like you said, going again, going into North Korea. Like even like when Lisa Lang went into North Korea and showed like, they they risked imprisonment just for showing like videotaping when they weren't supposed to videotape. So the Cuban regime is going to show you what they want you to see. So of course that's what they're going to show. I mean, don't we all do that to some degree? If you invite somebody oh, yeah. over, you have like a real nasty room. You're going to close that door. You're going to be like, no, no, that room off limits. Not that we one. all do this. You <laughs> know, it's not yep. different. They're just like, hey, these few blocks in Havana with our restored buildings, with all these nice things, this is where you should come visit because this is pretty. Or go to Varadero and go see our wonderful beaches. And those things are fantastic. Um, now go see that nasty room, in the, you know, which happens to be the rest of the island. It's the way yep. people live. So I have family that live there, and um, they don't even have running water. It, most Cubans wow. don't have access to running water. They expect once a month uh, there's a you know truck that comes by and you fill up your tanks once a month, one time a month for your entire household, and it depends on the size of your tank. So most people don't have regular showers. Um, you know, in I don't know. It's just it's such a terrible system. I really yeah. wish people could experience it. Um, you know, however briefly, so that they can be like, yeah, maybe this isn't as great as they're telling us it is. And it's not. It's, you know, I wish it was different. I wish that I could say that my family eats a meal every day. If I show you what Cubans are entitled to purchase, because it's not free, uh, what they're in, in, entitled to purchase, they have this booklet that the Cuban government says, hey, this is what you can have. And so every person in Cuba is entitled to five eggs a month. Imagine five eggs a month after the after you turn seven you're no longer entitled to milk so i don't know about you but i just had my husband yeah. buy milk you know like <laughs> know. Hey, you know, we're running out of milk because i need coffee with milk in it every day like they if you're over yeah. seven you don't get to have milk um you get i believe it's two pounds of chicken a month per person 
one dinner roll per day. I mean, one bottle of oil a month per person. So there's, it's very limited what people can eat and drink and have. And yeah. um, really sad. It's really sad. And for anyone in the United States to be like, that's the system that we should be aiming for is unfortunately really misguided. Yeah, I know. And that's the thing is like, so when everything kind of opened back up, I know a bunch of people that went and visited Cuba, but it's the same thing. They're seeing like the nice areas and all that stuff. But I can only even imagine it being like when I went to uh, Punta Cana in Dominican Republic, it was like, yeah, these nice resort areas. And then you go on like, we went on like a little excursion. You kind of go into the island a little bit more and you have 10 year olds, Haitian kids chopping sugarcane. Like yeah. it's, it's completely different than what you're actually seeing when you go there just as a tourist. So that's Cubans all I, I mean, that's all I can link it to. Yeah. Cubans don't really have access to machinery. So things like um, tractors to be able to cut down the sugar cane, they don't have that mm -hmm. anymore. All the tractors, you know, it, the last time they had access to like the free market and, you know, being able to buy stuff was before this communist dictatorship, not because of an embargo, but because the government just doesn't care to make sure that people are able to farm. And also the government is the only person that can um, sell this. So if you're a farmer and you farm it, the government takes your entire crop. You don't even have enough for yourself. So there's no incentive for people to go out and bust they're behind cutting, you know, cane sugar by yeah. hand with a machete. So as time has progressed, every year there's less and less and less crops. So not only is there less food, but who's going to do this job? Who's going to go cut sugar cane or uh, raise cattle when there's nothing to feed the cows? Or, you know, it's just, it's, it's such a terrible system. It really is. I, there's, I, we can talk about it all day. I know that it, it, we've already like beat that horse. Uh, no, it's 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 <laughs> well, it's a terrible system, and I, I just I don't get how people like it or want it. So, because um, it's kind of you know it's it, it lived its life in the news the news cycle, right? And we know how the news cycle works when things stop being relevant, and they actually didn't even really cover this very much. So. What's still going on? I know there's the 15 November scheduled. So what is still happening in Cuba and, and what's going on? Like you said, a bunch of people are missing. So like, what do we actually know that's not being put out in the media right now? Okay. So um, what you're missing. So from that July 11th protest, people who went out and protested, a lot of people were taken off the streets. They still are. Um, they're still being cited and said, you have to present yourself here. And then they go in. And, um, you know, they potentially can be tried. They are given quick trials. Um, lots of young kids, too. Ooh, one of the things that I don't think a lot of people realize is that um, 16, 17, and 18-year-olds were given year sentences or multiple year sentences for their role in protesting. And mind you, this was peaceful protesting. We're not talking about breaking things or anything. This is just protesting. Mm -hmm. There are several 16-year-olds in jail along with uh, the rest. So anyways, they went out. They protested. The government uh, came back and um, actually some people went, some people, uh, the government went into their homes and killed them. There's actually videos of this that you can find online. So now what's the next step? Well, the cat's out the bag. Cubans are not going to get back down. They want their freedom and they're going to keep fighting for it. But again, they don't have guns. They don't have, uh, there's only one party allowed in Cuba. You're not even allowed to, for example, 
there's we have a libertarian party believe it or not in cuba and these people are some of the bravest people and um my my co-host on latin libertarians and libertari final zach foster who is an amazing human being um he he's part of somebody who started the the um the Libertarian Party in Cuba, those Libertarians have all been to jail many times, like many times. Anyways, um, lots of people are putting together this, originally it was going to be the 20th of November. And because the government in Cuba said, well, the last time you guys didn't ask for permission, that's why we put you in jail. So they didn't ask for permission, but they cited where in the Cuban constitution it was their right to protest. And they turned in letters all around Cuba. And so the you, the Cuban government saying, oh, well, you guys are going to protest November 20th. We're going to do military exercises, the 18th, 19th, and 20th. We're going to line the streets with military people. Go ahead and have your protest. So then Cubans were like, fine, we'll just do it the 15th. Now, the 15th is an important date because that's the date that the airports open back up. Currently, there's about five flights a day into and out of Cuba. On November 15th, they're going to open the floodgates back up again, and it's going to go back to its usual maybe 100 flights a day. So um, we're expecting that November 15th, people are going to start flooding into Cuba, and they're going to have, unfortunately for them, if they go, a very rough time because Cubans are going to be out protesting again. And... Um, I don't know what's going to happen, but it's probably going to be pretty big. Oh, and side note there, the Cuban uh, government is the only one that controls the, the cell phone companies. They also said that they were going to be having technical issues those days. They're going to be revamping <laughs> their system or something. So we're expecting that the Cuban government is going to make it very difficult for those videos to get out of what they are doing. But they're already posting pictures and videos on social media where they are arming people of the communist uh, government, of the people who are of the communist party, they are arming them with either bats or guns and preparing them for what's going to happen. The president, the president, because he was unelected, uh, Miguel Díaz-Canel of Cuba, on TV after the July 11th protest said that he was giving combat orders and that the streets belong only to the revolutionaries, which means the people that are in favor of this communist government. He gave an order that um, the Cuban government, the, the military, can do whatever it needs to control the situation. He essentially incited a civil war. And it's infuriating that we have people being taken off of Twitter every day for dumb jokes. I don't know if you're familiar with Reed Coverdale, but his account was just... Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I was just pulled for some dumb joke. But this guy, again, unelected president, I hate you saying president because he's not the president. This unelected president of Cuba says, go out and beat your fellow man. And he's allowed on Twitter, nonstop Twitter, Facebook, all of his stuff. is yeah. fine. So, you know, it's yeah. just infuriating. Yeah. Oh, that's that's the worst part about it is because they let them, they let the Taliban, they let anybody they want um, that's not American, but um, say what they want on Twitter. You know, they practice free speech, but they don't actually have free speech in their country. But we do, and they silence us. Yeah, they silence us. I mean, we aren't allowed to say whatever joke, and I have no idea what joke Reed said. Don't get me wrong. It might have been horrible. I have no idea. But is there anything really more horrible than going on national TV no. and saying, go execute your fellow man? And that guy's still, you know, able to tweet. And he does. And he tweets a whole bunch of stuff. I love to um, 
just kind of annoy him. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that's like my pastime is he retweets, he says anything. And I'm like, you're an idiot. <laughs> so you're just his troll, which is great. I mean, they, they all need that. I, I mean, I just, I, I, we, we all troll Kamala and, uh, and, and Joe Biden as well, you know? So, I mean, it, it's just what you do it and they need it. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, seriously. it's what keeps you from going insane, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. I wish, I wish that was enough. I feel like I'm still going a little yeah. insane. <laughs> I think we're all, you know, this, these past two years have been rough. Not going to lie. I think they're just rough yeah. on us. Um, but I also am excited and maybe it's just me, but you know, I've been a libertarian for a while now and mm -hmm. I didn't really get involved in the party until 2016 until Gary Johnson, but I used to That's tell me people, too. I'm a libertarian and they'd be like, you're a what? What is that? Oh my God. And now they're like, you're a libertarian. You guys are crazy. Or people are like, yeah, I think those libertarians, I think we're going to start joining. So like, I see the momentum. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. I see like this yep. excitement for, for something else. And I'm like, mm, maybe it's happening. Maybe. Yeah. I, I've, I've said this a few times. Like I get, you know, white pilled and black pilled. Like I, I jump back and forth on a daily basis. Cause every once in a while, it's just kind of like, you know what? I see some momentum coming. Like we're, we're, it's happening. Like people are waking up. Libertarian now. I have to say it's a little bit cool. Like before we used to be, um, <laughs> Yeah, we were like the uncool kids. And now it's like, oh, you're a libertarian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and and it's and it's like now you have people on both sides that don't like you, which is always a good thing because you're like, okay, that means we're doing something right. You know, it's not just like well, people that like you too. It goes yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. Oh, exactly. I mean, and it also it's it's libertarians are really interesting because we have such different backgrounds. Like I'm a former conservative and I still hang out in a lot of conservative circles, but then I have people that I'm friends with that are libertarians that are former liberals and they still hang out in liberal circles. So it's just really, it's really interesting mesh, but then we all get each other. Like we're all friends. So it's, we're kind of the mesh of everything. Because we now, the good from both sides. I feel like, like with, what Republicans are supposed to be, right? Like the small yeah. fiscal conservatives, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I like that side. And then yeah. with the Democrats, it's like, you know, they agree with uh, gay marriage and marijuana and all these things. And I'm like, yeah. yes, right thinking. Or they used to. <laughs> <laughs> or they used to until they get power, which is kind of how they both work. They are for these things until they get power. Because okay, we have not have heard a thing about marijuana. I like the Libertarian Party. So the other side of my cup. Uh, oh, yeah. On this side. But this one, supporting equality since 1971. And I know I'm probably yes. preaching to the choir. But <laughs> our very first presidential candidate, John Hospers, was. And remember, this is 1971. So being openly gay was a problem. Yes. But he, amongst Libertarian circles, everyone knew he was openly gay. Our very first presidential candidate in 1971 was a gay man and who was his running mate a woman and they're the <laughs> first people uh, first libertarians to receive an electoral college vote so um you know the first woman in american history to receive an electoral college vote a libertarian i'm there. just so proud of that i just, I, just throw it out there yes that's, I, that's a great stat to have 
It is. But here's the thing. Like I'm, you know, I've been preaching this for a long time. I'm like, guys, my, you know, all of these friends that we have that are LGBT and, and it's like, why did, why are you voting Democrat? Well, we have to vote Democrat because of our rights. Which rights are you protecting with them? Because I feel that they're not protecting your rights. We libertarians, we believe in all of those rights. We believe in equality across the board. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, we are, I mean, it, it is, and it gets everybody in trouble because then we invite because some people are not libertarian enough and some people are too libertarian and you know. You're not a real libertarian. You know what, you know what people don't realize too? It's amazing that um, like gay rights and inequality took so long to get in this country and it, it was really globally too when it's very well known uh that baron von steuben who um was the prussian general who went to um and trained the uh the troops before they uh, washington across the delaware wasn't it was very well known that he was a gay man and so it's really yeah so he's like he's like the first gay man he was a found he, he was like the forgotten founding father too so um I mean, Love he was that. just, he was just the one who taught the troops that changed the whole of the Revolutionary War. So that's why I named my, uh, my actual, my company and everything is named Steuben's LTD because of him. So that's why it's named that. <laughs> oh, I love that. I had no idea. I love that history. And that's the thing, yeah. you know, like, to me, it's just what you do in your personal life is your personal life. Same exactly. thing with me. Like, I just, I don't get people's fascination with what other people are doing. One way or the no. other, I just I don't get it. Pardon no, me, maybe it's, there's something wrong with me. I just I don't get <laughs> caring so much about somebody else. I mean, we even have laws on the books about like sodomy. By golly, yeah. whatever people do in their bedroom is their problem. Like, imagine having a law like you can't do this in your bedroom, and who's gonna find yeah. that? Yeah, exactly. I th- that's and those some of those laws are still on the books, which is they really. Are. Really, yeah. <laughs> but it's like, oh, okay, I mean, you stop me. Yo, go ahead. <laughs> but th- that's that's the thing about, especially with our rule of law, how it is now. That there's so many laws on the books that like are just seen as normal stuff nowadays. Like you could go through. I actually even looked. Somebody posted like constitutional amendments that were shot down throughout the years, and I was like, and you just look at them. You're like, when would you? really you proposed that like stuff and it was stuff like sodomy laws and stuff like that you know there's so many problems why are we fixing those problems why are we focused on what other people do with their own bodies like drugs yeah i mean listen i'm not saying drugs are good but you're gonna put somebody in jail because they decided to use a plant like you're so let me ruin your life for you because you may potentially ruin your life like what are we doing who's Who's in favor of these things? And that's that's really the problem I have with this. Yep. Is the government's like, hey, we need to take this money from you in forms of taxes to then create all these jails so we can take the freedoms of your fellow man because they decided to smoke a plant. Who who in their right mind is like, that's that's somebody I want to vote for? Because you it, know, it works for you. Hmm? Yeah. Yeah. And that, that I mean it's great. I mean, yeah, you know, they think it's gonna work and they never work. Um I mean, we always know that it only creates more crime. Right. It, it opens the avenues 
for all organized crime. Um, and and where is it? Is it Portugal? Portugal has the best system when it comes to in the nineties. Yeah. They are doing fantastic. Whenever people tell me, you know, oh no, we can't decriminalize drugs because that's just going to be chaos. It's like, go look up Portugal. Go for it. Yeah. Yeah, because they decriminalized and what people don't realize is they did. I mean, it was absolutely the smartest thing you could do. It's like if you have more if you have more than like a two week supply on you, then you go in front of a council to see if you can if you should be going to rehab. (laughs) You know, it's like you fix the mental issues that come with it. Here in the United States, we have a real problem. And that problem is we don't have mental health for people. So um, I have a very close family member who is addicted to meth. So I've been down this road personally, and I still advocate for, you know, legalization, decriminalization, actually. I do not want anybody in jail over this, Um, especially somebody who's an addict. If you get picked up by police and your judge is a good judge, your judge may allow you to go to rehab instead of jail. But by and large, if you look at our jail system, the majority of addicts go to jail. And that's not a place for addicts. That is not... um, I can't imagine the type of people that wrote those laws and that were like, you know what addicts deserve? You know what people deserve when they're in the worst part of their life? That we kick them when they're low. That's what we're going to do. That's how we're going to We we give them a criminal criminal record, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We're like, you know what? You'll never be hired again. You'll never be able to be back in society. Oh, you would like a gun? That's not acceptable. You know, you can't have that. Yeah. We, we mess up people's lives because of an addiction, but we don't do that for alcohol. No, no. Nope. Alcoholics get to go to AA and they get support. But yep. drug addicts, well, well, let me tell you what we're going to do with you. And it's just, it's so disgusting. I'm, I'm so yeah. tired of this system. Yeah. So cruel and heartbreaking. It's, well, and, and it just create, and then it has created you know, more dangerous drugs on top of it. Like, and I don't know if I've ever spoke about this on here because I'm very much with you. My, uh, my cousin died of a heroin overdose, but it was so laced with fentanyl that it was, I mean, and that's what we're seeing right now. And I, I, I used to DJ and I still hang out in the rave scene and like, there's a huge issue going on with everything being cut with fentanyl right now. So everything is becoming more dangerous to where if it was just legalized, you wouldn't have these issues because it wouldn't be underground and everybody wouldn't be trying to get their cut. Well, I live in Miami. So we have ultra, the music festival here. And of course now with COVID we haven't had it, but every year the issue we have is there's always a few deaths, right? And they're always somebody in their early twenties and it's always drugs that were laced with something else. I mean, it's just, it's so frustrating because these people don't have to die and they're young kids. They're going to go try, um, you know, a Molly or they're going to go try whatever. And it could be safe. They could go to CVS, buy this drug, a CVS, a Walgreens, whatever, and buy this drug and it would be clean. And then they would take it and they'd probably have a good time or not because there's We, there's a reason people do drugs. Let's just put that yeah. out there. I hate this whole notion of like evil people are the ones that do drugs. No, people do drugs because they want to and because they will. And everyone, you know, has a reason yeah. for doing it. But yeah. saying that it's okay for kids to die because they decided to try a drug. I just, I can't. Get no, my, I can't. No, it, it, absolutely. I agree. And it's, um, 
And, and so that's where we, I mean, that's where the right has an issue on their hands as well, because it's this culture and that's their culture is to, you know, not feel bad for people when they, when they try stuff yet. Now it seems like they're, you know, more people on the right and stuff are okay with marijuana, which is like 80% or something like that. Um, and then, and now you're starting to see more support for stuff um, like psychedelics and stuff like that, which I've heard recently, like some psychedelics are even starting to get cut, which is like, no, that's supposed to be the good stuff. You know, that's supposed to be the stuff that makes you feel good. How do you put a mushroom? That's what I want to know. Do you I don't know. Mushroom. I hope that at least that's <laughs> clean-esque. I would hope, yeah. I mean, but that's, but if you get caught with it, if you get caught growing it, you know, you get all these, all these things. And now they're starting to research um, a lot of this stuff again, because it's like, good yeah. like, here's the crazy thing is we've been told all these bad things. I just retweeted today, a study that says that um, cannabis is showing to help people who are suicidal. So there's a decrease yeah. in suicides in legal states. Why isn't this all over the news? My <laughs> golly, we have, yeah, we have so many people in this country, you know, before COVID started, because now it's even higher, but before COVID yep. started from our soldiers coming back from war, we had 22 soldiers every yeah. single day on yep. average in this country commit suicide. Think about that. We send these kids off to war and they don't die in war. They come home to die and they come home to die because they are miserable with PTSD. And what yep. do we do? We say, here's an entire bag of opioids. Go have a great time with it. And we cause this addiction problem. Like we are yep. so evil. When you look at what we're doing to people, it's evil. And there's 38 yep. states currently that have a form of legality in cannabis. And yet, yep. 19 states have just said that Delta 8, which is a legal form of cannabis because it come, it's derived from hemp, yep. and because of the 2018 hemp bill, Delta 8 is legal because anything derived from hemp is now legal. 19 states yep. have said, not for you. You can't have this. And Colorado is amongst them. Colorado Texas. Yeah, that's interesting, yeah. yeah. It's interesting because some of the states that it's legal, um, where marijuana is legal, Delta 8 is not. But states like Georgia, where I live... Delta eight is completely illegal still like, be, and, and actually it's really interesting because, and this is part of like Shane Hazel's um, um, initiative as well, going to local governments um, and getting them on board. So all the counties around Atlanta have basically said they will not enforce marijuana laws. They said they can't because they can't tell the difference. So they're not going to enforce it. And that's why getting local and, and, and doing all that stuff is really important. So getting involved in your local elections like you are doing um, in Miami, getting people um, that even no matter what the laws are, you make, you make you can have the local police forces not enforce, enforce those laws. Them. Yeah. I mean, that would be my goal. Of course, I'm running for a seat where there would be 13, there's 13 people total. So if I win, I'd be one of 13. So mm -hmm. am I able to affect all the changes that I want? Probably not. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sit here and be like, yeah, for me and everything's <laughs> great. No, because I'm, I'm, I'm just not going to yeah. lie to you. But um, yeah, that's the goal. The goal is to at least have that voice and to be sitting on yep. that council and say, no, this is wrong. Or this is yep. what we should be doing. We need people who care. That's, I yep. think that's the bottom line. We need people who care. And I'm noticing in the comments that microdosing with shrooms and um, LSE, yes. yes. So I also work with um, groups 
that uh, medical doctors who are researching, um, I, let's not call them true, they're uh, psilocybin, psilocybin, yeah. LSD, and surprisingly ketamine. So ketamine used to be a huge club drug, and I think it still yes. is. Not they, they, advocating yeah, for that. They all are. They, yeah. they, they, they all are. <laughs> they all are. But I'm not advocating for that. However, in a clinical setting with a doctor, ketamine in three doses has been shown to take people who are like suicidal, extremely suicidal, I think is what the, the condition is called, where they will just continuously try to commit suicide. Like there is no saving them. We do not have any medicine right now that can actually cure them or help them. Yeah. But ketamine is showing to, to do it. So, I mean, yeah. it's just even more insulting to me that we yeah. have these prohibition things on on medicines that are working that could help well. And, and and I did some research on this stuff as well, um, and it, it is it's quite amazing. I was going to say this too, is because um, LSD is now being researched again. It opened up for research, I think, two years ago, because it they think it could be the holy grail for mental health medications. They think, I mean, it's been it's shown great results against PTSD. So when you said that, I was thinking, you know, PTSD. It's been shown to cure alcoholism. It's been shown. Um, and like they said, it, it's been shown to help with um, a lot of very a lot of other addictions. So this is the comment it's for everybody. But it's been it's been shown to yeah, it's been shown to help with a whole bunch of other addictions. Um, and what's really interesting is it's impossible to get addicted to. Right. It's impossible to overdose on. Um, and, and so and and really the way that it works in the brain there is no long-term effects. Whereas even you have, um, you know, those long-term effects when it comes to uh, alcohol and everything like that. It's like, because normal drugs change the way the, they, they, they create synthetic serotonin. Whereas these drugs change, they, they, they grab onto the serotonin receptors. And as it, as your serotonin goes in, it changes the way that it, your body sees that serotonin or processes that serotonin and so that's why it's it's it doesn't kill those brain cells as it goes in like most other drugs right most I, opioids I mean, do that think about like lsd and things there's evidence that shows that your neurons in your brain actually find new connections and regenerate yep. on these substances so i mean there's just so much information coming out that these are good things and also, yeah. nobody's ever died from from any of these drugs. So cannabis, yeah. LSD, uh, shrooms, nobody's actually died from those. Meanwhile, 80,000 people in the United States every year die of alcohol poisoning. And that's not including um, traffic, uh, yeah. you know, dr driving, drinking and driving type of thing. So 80,000 people. Remember, this whole COVID thing is if we can just save one life. Well, <laughs> yeah, 80,000 lives. What about them? Yeah. Aren't they worthy of being saved? So I yeah. just think it's it's absolutely horrible what we've done in this country, and that's really the oh the thing that just keeps me up at night is you know think about the millions of Americans that we've taken their freedoms from them, fathers, mothers, daughters, brothers, you know, like kids that yeah. grew up with their dad because their dad was in jail because they sold an ounce of marijuana in 1970 something, you know, like yeah, some horrible, horrible, horrible stuff that happens in this country, and we're just. Like, okay, well, we let it go. And I really wish people were paying attention. And I really wish we could do something to 
stop that practice. I mean, obviously, yeah. libertarians, but we're far away away from that. We got to keep banging that drum and being like, guys, there's a group of people that just wants you to yeah. live freedom. And and that's so even just kind of shifting a little bit that um, kind of really pissed me off today because I thought it was great watching uh, Andrew Yang split from the Democrat Party. Right. Yeah. And then today he comes out and his ego boot, his ego was so big today. He's like, think about, he goes, it's so amazing to see that before the forward party, there was no other third parties. And you're going in the, actually the LP national tweet below, it was like, dude, <laughs> we've been here for years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm not surprised, to be honest. I'm not surprised at all. It's like, oh, there's only two parties is the thing that we hear all the time. As libertarians, yeah. I'm sure you've heard it so many times. It's all like, the really, time. there's only two? Well, there's also the Green Party, and we libertarians yeah. right here. And then there's there's the Constitutional Party. There's so, yeah. so many parties in this country. But the laws are really messed up against, you know. Yeah, uh, and we're working. And thank, I mean, here in Georgia, we just had a big win in terms of voter access too. So the petition got lowered tremendously. Um, so it'll be a lot easier to get on the ballot. Like, What's that? You know where it got I lowered think, from, and then uh, I would have to go back and look at Ryan's stuff. But I think it was from ten. It was from maybe five percent to one percent. Oh, good. So like a good chunk. Yeah, uh, it was a big chunk. Because, I mean, like, Tennessee is some of the most, like, the worst laws I've seen for ballot access. So Republicans and Democrats get on the ballot, like, 25 signatures. Yeah. Like, some, some yeah. like, doesn't even matter a number. And then libertarians have to collect, like, 56,000 petitions, which takes two years and, like, a million dollars or something or $2 million. Like, it's some crazy amount of, of yeah. So, and then people are like, well, why aren't you, you know, why aren't you guys doing more? Well, because we spend all the time trying to comply with these dumb rules that don't yeah. help us any. And, but this is what happens when you yeah. only elect these people and they only write rules that benefit them. You yep, know? Absolutely. Which is why um, it was great, though, because um, Andrew Yang was here in Atlanta, I think, last weekend or the weekend before or something like that. And Chase Oliver, who is our mm -hmm. Senate candidate next year. Yeah. Um, went down there and actually met with him and was talking to him after the show, I think, and was actually wanting to talk to him more about and maybe we can work together on ranked choice voting and stuff like that because he is a big proponent now of ranked choice voting. So like, let's work together. Did he agree to it? Did, did anything come I up? Don't, or? I don't know, but I know Andrew Yang, I, I mean, when he announced this forward party, he had been talking about ranked choice voting and stuff. So it was, seems like something that's pretty natural that he's for already that he would be, that we should be working together on. And I think it's great. And the more parties that are working on this to break yeah. the duopoly, I think the better, yeah. it, you know, what a great person to go out there and speak. Yep. Somebody who was a Democrat, who no longer is, who's saying, hey, the, the system is messed yep. up. Great. Finally, we're not the only ones saying this. Finally, there's yep. always somebody else. And I think Tulsi Gabbard at some point also said something similar about how the system is better. So, I mean, yeah. people are coming out. People that have gotten shafted from the other party are like, hey, this, you know, we really need to fix this. So I'm kind of glad it's happening. It's yeah. just, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's an uphill battle. And if Andrew Yang thinks he's going to be able to have 50 state ballot access all on his own, um, I wish him luck. But yeah. I, think he's, I think he probably should look at um, 
I'd say join the Libertarian Party, but I don't think he'd become a presidential candidate for us anytime soon. No, I don't even think he would be a candidate for us because he he still is on this whole UBI concept and everything like that, which... UBI can be a Libertarian concept, by the way. I think, was it Milton How? Friedman? <laughs> There's, I can't remember which economist talked about this, and um, I'm probably going to get flogged for this because, you know, Libertarian, you should <laughs> yes. You should know so, everything. Yes, I should know all of them. So I, I'm not recalling <laughs> But there's one that, that advocated for UBI and it can be libertarian in the sense that like everybody has, um, you know, this number, like everybody gets X number of dollars every month, but then you actually have to like work for more. So you're, you're, and I'm not advocating for it at all. Um, yeah. but I, it's like the reverse almost of taxes. So everybody gets taxed and then they were returning your money. In this case, it's kind of like everybody gets a certain level of, of money and then you know, at the end of the year, you work out your taxes or something. I, there's a way for it to be libertarian. I can't say that I've gone too far into it and I'm yeah. not sure how it would work. But if that's the solution, listen, if you just removed all of the dumb things that the United States government pays for, and we could like yeah. a voluntary UBI, yes, like a voluntary UBI. But again, don't quote me on this because I don't know. <laughs> this isn't my concept, guys. I have no idea. I'm not a proponent of it. But I think that if we could maybe, you know, changing the taxes a bit, if we had to pay a certain number of dollars and we could choose like a GoFundMe, hey, I want to pay for this war. Yeah. Or I want to pay to help this thing or to build roads or to build a school or to, I think that would be a much better system. And then, yeah, I am very much in favor of more of a uh, crowdfunding government type thing, you know? <laughs> But or I said it would. Oh yeah, it would be so much better. Honestly, even if we could just like, we all still pay the same amount of taxes and everything like that. But then like every bill that went up, like it had a dollar amount, and you just take your your tax dollars and put it onto like what you want to pay for, and then it's like okay, like th you then you know what gets funded, you know, and and stuff like that. But. That, so that would, I mean, that's, that's again, not advocating. That's not ideal, but. No, no, it's not, but that's something that you could do with um, the technology that's coming out. So the blockchain is not yeah. only for money, but also there's this whole smart contracts and there's these communities that could be funded with, you know, you could voluntarily fund and then you mm -hmm. could vote with your token um, for what you want funded. So there's, there's all this technology that's coming out that I think. Yeah is the future of governance. I don't think we need government. I think we need governance. And there's a difference there. And that is people voluntarily choosing how they want their society to work rather than yeah. a group of people that just tells you how it has to work. And um, yeah. you look at our government. Our government was created back when we didn't even have telephones, when we didn't have a way to, to communicate. Yeah. We were using, what, carrier pigeons? So of course yeah. it made sense to get everybody together in a room and they made decisions for you. Fast forward, yep. we don't need that system anymore. We can yep. vote for ourselves. We can say what we want. Yeah, and I, I agree. I think especially at the federal level, we don't need we don't need the federal government. Like I'm a very much a minarchist and, and, and so it's like, really, what do we need? We need maybe an army to protect our borders, you know, and that's about it. And then uh police from within police from without type of thing yeah yeah like i think like an army and then you have like local like court systems like to settle this you know nap violations and stuff, you know? <laughs> so then that would open up a yeah 
can of worms. Like, do you agree beforehand before you go into trans? I, I don't know. I'm yeah. That's too far <laughs> out into this like libertarian utopia. So I haven't quite crossed that bridge. But I think that yeah, we better we we better not go too far because then we'll be getting the hate hate mail. So <laughs> right, the, like oh my god, you guys hate poor people, and all you want to do is um you know keep poor people down. And I'm like, where does this come from? We just want people to be able to decide what to do with their money. Call me crazy, but if I have to work four to five months out of the year for the government, I hate to use this word, but I don't have another word for it. That's like slavery. That's like part-time slavery. You know, you are working. If you, you know, every year there's a, a day published and it's like April 18th or 15th. It's around tax day. Funny yeah. enough where you actually stop working for the government and start working for yourself. And so, um, you know, based on what you owe the government, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of funny that you work four and a half months out of the year for the U S to pay the U S government. And you don't have an option. You know, if you're making money, you've got to pay the United States government or you're going to go to jail. I don't know what else to call this system, but it's not a, it's not like this kumbaya that they make it seem, oh, it just comes out of your paycheck. No. No. Imagine what you could do with an extra four months salary. Yeah. And I actually I'm I'm fully for like a constitutional amendment where you have to pay, you have to do to get rid of withholding. Like you pay your taxes. You know what? Every because they know that as soon as you start withholding your own taxes, then yep. you won't pay taxes. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That's the reason they've gotten us to comply is because you don't see the money. So yep. you're like, oh, I'm going to get paid $10 an hour. Okay. But really you're taking home $7 an hour, you know, and, and you're yep. like, well, I guess this is what it is. If you saw that cash, if you saw those, you know, $100, $200, whatever it is, yeah. taking from your paycheck every week. You'd be like, wait a minute, this is not okay. Yep. Which so, it's like interesting that. because I mean that's and then and then you see what your business, what your company actually pays for your taxes too. Because <laughs> I mean I so I have an S corp LLC. That's and so when I pay myself, I pay myself a paycheck. I am a W two employee of my own company, and so I see it every time. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna pay myself this much money. But wait, why am I only getting this much? <laughs> and that's the thing is the company pays the same amount you paid. They yep. paid it as well. So let's say they took two hundred dollars from your paycheck. That's another two hundred dollars that your that your company's paying for you. So that's four hundred bucks this week that you missed out on getting for you. The government has, and then yep. they're killing beagles, little cute beagle puppies with your tax dollars. And I don't know how this doesn't infuriate people. Obviously, we're killing people too. We, yeah. we like to bombs on people around the world, but you know, that really doesn't enrage people the way puppies no. do. And I'm all on that. No, puppies. Puppy. Yeah. yeah. I'm all you on that. I'm be. like, what puppies? <laughs> no, puppies. I know. I, I said puppies and my dog just looked at me. <laughs> She's giving me sad eyes. I'm like, oh, sorry. <laughs> I know, but like, I'm, I really like dogs. <laughs> I know. Really I like dogs more. I like, I like dogs more than most people. So. <laughs> I like all animals a lot. So yeah, I have a hard time knowing that my government is, and I mean, that's not the only one. They've, we've heard the stories of like, there was, what was it? They were giving cocaine to migratory birds to see how they'd act. Listen, 
Um, I don't know what you're trying to prove giving cocaine to migratory birds, but can we not? Can we give them yeah. cocaine to the, you know, not birds? I don't know. <laughs> oh, <she's laughs> clubs that would be like, please, we'll take it. Thank you. <laughs> well, it's where's PETA? I haven't I haven't seen anything from PETA on this stuff. Where are they the at? The same place where Black Lives Matter is on Cuba. By the way, the vast majority of Cuba is people of color. Where is mm -hmm. Black Lives Matter when those people in Cuba are going through this horrible, you know, being put into jail and being disappeared and all this stuff? These organizations yeah. are so full of poop. I don't know how else to say well, this. Well, we know They're it is, yeah. It's, it's well, not, and you know, Black Lives Matters is a is a Marxist organization, so they should they should be able to go and talk to the to the to the regime down there and say, why aren't you doing this? Yeah, because they're not going to because <laughs> they don't care because we've already crossed this bridge. You know, it's like politics or it's disgusting. It's people um, wanting power, and they'll tell you yeah. whatever you want to hear, but then when it actually comes to it, because I mean, when Black Lives Matter started as the movement, right? The overall movement, not yeah. the organization. Because I, I like to draw a distinction between the two. Yeah, I, I, I do too. Black Lives movement. Matter, Inc. <laughs> right. Black Lives Matter, Inc. is a problem. Black Lives yeah. Matter, the movement, I'm all on, you know, I'm on board there 100%. All Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter. This country has had a horrible, horrible way of treating people. And I think that was one of the things that you mentioned in, in your um, review of the Dave Chappelle podcast, because he made a good point about that. He's like, you know, yeah. of course, I would butcher the, um, the the joke, but he was like saying like, if the, all, all the slaves needed to be free was like body oil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's who knew if all we needed to do to have equality was some body oil and glitter or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> he made a point where slavery yeah. lasted much longer than, you know, this discrimination or whatever. Like his point was yeah. pretty clear. I'm not going to try and make it. I'm going to butcher it. And then I'm going to have hate. <laughs> so um, instead, I'm just going to say, listen, there's a lot of oppression in this country. We've had it. Um, we've had it in every group. Women have had oppression, you know, people yeah. of color, LGBT. Like there has been a group that has been oppressed. Always. So, like, I agree. We all need to stand up for Black lives. We all need to stand up for whatever person is being discriminated against because that's the yep. problem, is that discrimination. There should be equal laws for everybody. And this is where I have a problem, even with the LGBT community, even with the Black community, even with the Hispanic community. I have a problem with laws that say this particular group deserves something above another one. Now, I, I have to say that that sounds very um, harsh, but I just think that law should be written so that everybody is equal. Everybody should be equal. That's it. It should just yeah. be like, you know, either if this thing is illegal, yeah. it's legal for everybody. If this thing is legal, it's legal for everyone. In the state of Florida, for example, it's illegal for me to put a cannabis seed in the ground and grow a tree. But if I had $60 million and could buy a cannabis license, then it's free for me to grow it. So in this case, I'm... It's a discrimination against individuals with a yeah. preference towards these large corporations with a lot of money. That should be illegal. It should be either everybody can grow cannabis or nobody can. And of course, I'm on the yeah. everybody should be able to grow cannabis. But that's Absolutely. you know, that's the idea. Well, the current administration, there's they're actually saying the the quiet part out loud because they just had they just issued in um, their gender initiative or something like that 
yesterday I saw it. And it doesn't say it says and, and this is and this is the quiet part out loud is they specific the first part is equity. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the issue. They don't want equality. They want equity. They want equal results. The thing about it is, is yeah, you'll never see equal results. Um, And the people that are fighting for Democrat policies don't realize that. I mean, the real systemic racism comes from Democrats. Um, It's public school systems without vouchers. Like, how do you not see that public school systems with unions um, without vouchers is systemic racism? Where do you think they send bad teachers that they can't fire? They send them to those schools and then they beg for more money and those Democrat run cities. And then they start propping and, and, and it's just a continuous cycle. They continue to send this stuff and they don't want those people to get out. They don't want them to choose what schools to go to. It's both because Democrats and Republicans are part of why this system is the way it is. It's not just one or the other, you know, Republicans aren't exactly in the forefront of a voucher system. Now they are because they're realizing that people are getting smarter to this whole issue. Yeah. But I don't think that they've historically been in favor of this. Imagine how crazy it is. Like we distribute um, help for those who can't, for example, food stamps, right? We help people who who need the help. But we don't tell them you have to go to this supermarket in the corner or if not, it's not going to work. We give them a card that says this is filled with this much money. Go spend it in any supermarket that'll take it. Why are we forcing kids to go to this school that maybe doesn't work? You know, forget about the whole, um, you know, it, 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 to me, it's just such an, it's so just right there in front of our faces and we're not looking at it. You have a child maybe wants to go to an art school. But you're like, no, your school is going to be this one here because this is the one where your parents can afford to live. But maybe a few blocks down, there's this amazing art school that you wanted to go to or dance or whatever, you know, or a trade school because trades are also pretty important. Why aren't we letting parents parent their kids? And it goes back to that. You need to get government out of your house, out of your bedroom, out of parenting. In Cuba, for example, and I keep coming back to this because I see the similarities and maybe this is where, um, you know, I can help bring it home for people is in Cuba, you don't own your children. Your children belong to the state. And in America, in American school system, our kids belong to the state. You as a parent don't get to make the decision. You don't. Unless you make the decision of sending them to private schools or homeschooling. In that case, you own your kids. In Cuba, for example, when you go to a doctor, say you have a cancer diagnosis and the doctor doesn't want to tell you that you have cancer because you're going to die and he doesn't want to tell you, they don't tell you. They tell your family. And most of the times your family won't tell you because, you know, the culture is like, oh, well, he's going to die. So we shouldn't tell him. Imagine that happening here in America. Well, it kind of is with the vaccines. Now you don't get to make a choice for your own health care in Cuba. You don't get to make a choice. So I just kind of keep hammering this message home because I just want people to understand the government is not your friend. And if they can take all of everything from you, they will. And the proof is in the pudding. Look at your kids not being able to choose what school they want to go to. Or in in any country that has um, universal health care, they make the decisions. Look at the Charlie Guard case in England as the biggest one. You always come back to, but yes. it's that 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 those cases like that prove that you don't have control over your kids. You can't decide what's best for them. They are wards of the state in most countries. Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly it. They are words of the state. You put the words right in my mouth. Thank you so much. <laughs> it is that you all of a sudden, all those decisions that we consider, you know, and I have four kids. So I, this is something that's near and dear to me. Um, yeah. The fact that I don't want somebody to be able to tell me what to do. So the reason I got into cannabis uh, legalization issues was because I went to a cannabis convention and I met um, this mother, Giselle Delgadillo, who started, was one of the main founders here in Florida of Cannamoms. Her son was diagnosed with Dravet syndrome. It's a very extreme form of epilepsy to the point this child was having 200 to 300 seizures a day. And the one thing that could help her child was cannabis. And I, that day was the day I became an advocate for cannabis because I sat there and I watched her talk about how cannabis was the only thing that could help her kid, but she mm -hmm. was risking her freedom to be able to achieve it, to be able to get it. She'd have to get it from California. So she's breaking cannabis laws and then transferring from California into the, the Florida. Thankfully now she gets it. She's a legal patient. So I can say this because she's not going to go to jail now. <laughs> but I sat there and I was like, can you imagine having a kid you know, your child, no. you, you know that this thing would help them. But there's a group of people that have decided, no, you can't get this thing. You don't get to make a decision to save your child's life. And that is what is happening over and over and over in this country for so long. And it's disgusting. As a mother of four, I would, there's nothing I wouldn't do. Let me put it that way. I'm not going to, I'm not going to incriminate myself here, but there's nothing <laughs> for my child to save their lives. Like, it's just, sorry. And yeah. to have somebody, just because they won an office, say, no, you don't get to give them this medicine because we've decided that it's it's bad. With no proof. Nobody's ever died yeah. from cannabis, but here we are. So I yeah. just, man. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you completely. I mean, um, because, I mean, I have high-functioning anxiety because I was, I, mean, I was in the army for seven years and that doesn't help, but I have high functioning anxiety and I don't take medication for it anymore, but mostly because I go to the gym and, and when I start getting anxiety, yes, I vape. So <laughs> I don't vape anxiety, but I do smoke. Um, I've had several medical conditions and I currently have, still have my thyroid. Thanks to cannabis. I was yeah. going to need surgery. I was on, you know, like, hey, within the next six months, we're going to remove your thyroid type of deal. And then I found this wonderful cannabis doctor here in Florida. And she told me, hey, why don't you give this a go? And I did. And I still have my thyroid. And actually now there's nothing wrong with it. So I'm not saying that cannabis cured me because that yeah. would be wrong. I am not legally allowed to say that. Um, so <laughs> cannabis didn't cure me. However, my thyroid is in my neck and I am doing okay. Like, I just think yeah. that it's so ridiculous, this whole prohibition thing. Yeah. And it it doesn't so make any sense, but all right. We've been going for about an hour and 20 minutes now. So. We are like on a roll. Oh, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I can talk for hours. So that's usually the problem. <laughs> same but, here, um, same, same. Especially about these subjects. These are like all subjects that are, they're fascinating yeah. to me. It, it really is. And um, it, it, there's so many we could talk about. Like we could talk for days about everything, you know. Um, now, your, um, your guys' podcast, your guys' YouTube channel. So I tried to watch it. Now, do you guys have English subtitles on there? 
We don't. So that's, that's, uh, we do two. So we do one in English on the LP's main page on YouTube, which is Latin Libertarians. Okay. We do that in English. And that one we try, um, the goal of that channel is to educate uh, libertarians and non-libertarians alike on the issues happening in Latin America. So basically news or a news angle um, with yeah. a libertarian twist. There's very little, okay. I mean, I, I know there's podcasters everywhere, but whatever. We're trying to, we're trying to do this thing on a libertarian, trying to bring in yeah. more Hispanic people into the uh, libertarian party. And then the one yep. we do on Thursday nights, that's Wednesday nights, 9 PM LP main page on YouTube. Um, and then on Thursday nights, we do Libertario Hispano, which is completely in Spanish, which is the one you were trying to watch. Don't recommend <laughs> uh, speak Spanish. That one is directed towards um, people in Latin America and in the United States that speak Spanish, that Spanish is their main um, mm -hmm. language so that they are educated on, again, same thing, pretty much. We do the same thing in both languages, but that one is more geared towards uh, Hispanics in general, but particularly Hispanics that want to learn more about libertarianism. We okay. found during Dr. Jorgensen's campaign, both Zach and I worked on her campaign mm -hmm. um, in 2020, um, we found that number one, the Libertarian Party was not reaching out to the Hispanic community, which is a huge problem because really yeah. Republicans and Democrats only do it at once every four years. So there's a huge opportunity. Mm -hmm. But also at the end of her campaign, we were told that the largest segment that grew for the Libertarian Party for votes was the Hispanic community. So I don't know if we had anything to do with that. <laughs> I wear this title very proudly. We, you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> We are the party that Hispanics are looking for. We are the party yeah. that welcome to this country, the land of opportunity. And we're not capitalizing on that. So I'm here to capitalize on it. No shame in my game. I'm here to win all the Hispanics <laughs> I can for the Libertarian Party because I firmly believe that the Libertarian Party is where Hispanics need to be. Yeah, I agree. I think everybody should be here, though. So. <laughs> Everyone should be here, but I get it. You know, if you're, yeah. oh no, everyone should not be here. If you are firmly onto the left or firmly onto the right, maybe this isn't the party for you. There are sure. authoritarians on both sides, the yep. far extremes, that I don't think that they would like this much freedom. Yep, the social conservatives and the communists, so, <laughs> or the progressives. And the authoritarians. I mean, uh, yeah, they're all authoritarians. Yeah, I mean, Hitler was like, super on the right so yeah, <laughs> yeah there's, there's bad on both extremes because some people think only the yeah. left is bad you know and then some the left think only the right is bad and i'm here to say no, no <laughs> they're no. bad on equal opportunity hater here they're both bad absolutely absolutely the extreme of anything is always bad yeah and yeah so i tried to watch your show i'm like i can i understand spanish a little bit but we speak for Spanish. You know, so it's like, <laughs> yeah, I cannot. I'm like too fast. <laughs> we try. Oh, when I was, I was working for a company. We actually, um, we were outsourcing some stuff down to Miami to a, to a party vendor. And I was working with them and they came up to our site and he was explaining the process to um, one of the people that was going to work for him. And I was standing right there and he was speaking Spanish. And I'm like, I could understand what he was saying. I'm like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you 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 said it right. <laughs> the process you, you you explained it right. That's good. <laughs> you know, there's there's over twenty. When people think that like Hispanics, we all get kind of grouped together, but there's twenty yeah. countries that make up 
uh, Spanish-speaking Latin America and Ibero-America. So, uh, or Ibero, the Iberian Peninsula, my bad. Um, mm -hmm. so, and then the Caribbean as well. So there's, imagine 20 different countries. It's like if they group together England and Australia and the United States and every English-speaking country, they put it together and it's like, you guys. And that's how they treat us. And I get this all the time. I'm Cuban. Yeah. I grew up in Venezuela, so I have two of the cultures, but then I neither yeah. of the two cultures that I'm from eat like spicy food. So I'll go out yeah. with like people who are American and they'll be like, You don't like spicy food? I thought you're like yeah. Hispanic. And I'm like, I'm not Mexican. I'm not Peruvian. I'm not the country. Yeah. Um, well, that's um that's actually that's just yeah, it's the same way because um two of my best friends one is mexican and her the girl that she sees and, and my other best friend is uh colombian and it's very different it is it's like she's like i don't like spicy food either i'm like wait <laughs> is it's the same I, I i fell into that trap <laughs> we have like not terribly different like obviously we can communicate it but it's a similar yeah. thing to like if you go to australia and you're like yeah. what are they saying because they have some sayings that are different, you know, like yeah. cheers in America is up your beep. Yeah. Um, words. Um, but, you know, um, they it's just different ways of yeah. saying things. And we have the same in Latin America. So we get grouped together um, and yeah. we're not exactly the same. Not, not all the same. No, you're right. And um, well, that was even I learned, too, because they were talking to each other and and one goes, why do you say it like that? Like asking why she like like it would be the same thing that different accents between different countries and everything like that and even I was doing Spanish Pod One Hundred One because I used to be able to speak Spanish really well when I was in high school and then it's like when you don't use it you lose it so then I'm back at square one and so I'm doing like Spanish Pod One Hundred One and they're in Argentina so it's like multiple stuff and I actually worked for a, a company that they were we had a a site in Argentina so I would hear them speaking Spanish all the time and I'm like trying to pick up dip the differences in lingo and stuff like that so and, you know, it's, it's difficult <laughs> maybe if you're not hispanic because then you're focusing yeah. on words maybe not the way they're being said yeah but um even for me you know when i moved to venezuela i i knew more cuban spanish now if you talk to me my yeah. spanish is very venezuelan but when i moved to, to venezuela um cubans have this tendency to turn english words into spanish so we'll say for like a parking parking like that's it but the actual word is estacionamiento so when i got to Venezuela, yeah. like el parqueo or the el parking and they're like what are you talking about it's this <laughs> you know so um even for for people who speak spanish it's like yeah, yeah I, I i hear and you hear that all the time when you speak to somebody that speaks spanish too especially when they're in in the u.s it's like they they throw in english words in there now and then you're like wait what <laughs> wait i heard that one <laughs> <laughs> I love that of the like Spanglish other stuff, right? Yeah, the Spanglish. <laughs> but we're not the only ones that do like the ish. Oh no. Um I I, I my um brother-in-law, he's Indian, and when he speaks to his parents, like every other, you know, there's a few words in there that I'm like, yeah. I got that one. I understood that one. One word. <laughs> like, like I'm totally yeah. Indian now, and it, no, not at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now I mean, and I I mean, I grew up in Michigan and I live in Georgia, so I mean, I live in Atlanta, so it's kind of more northern anyways, but you get out of Atlanta and it's like a different world, a different language even here. You guys in Atlanta have a lot of like um, Mexican 
or Central American immigrants. Mm -hmm. So even the Spanish that's spoken, because I, I love going to Atlanta and um, my sister and brother-in-law live up there. So, um, oh. you know, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Alpharetta. But um, so. Okay. Yeah. So right, right by me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, you know, when I go over there, it's like, you know, she'll tell me like, oh, I miss living in Miami. And it's like, but you have all this like Hispanic culture. And then it's like, no, but it's different. Like, you yeah. know, they have more of like the Mexican foods and then they, she can't get like Cuban foods. And I'm like, oh, sucks to be you. Well, there there no is, well, there's a new Cuban restaurant that just op that opened by the baseball stadium. So there is a place to get some Cuban food. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then um, we- That's kind of far for Alpharetta. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's about 20 minutes, yeah. <laughs> oh my god but your traffic in in georgia is just in atlanta especially is just off the chains yeah <laughs> and you're coming from miami because the only time i've ever driven through miami it took me forever to get down get down but oh, it yeah. wasn't the freeway I, I i took the scenic route and since i was in miami i was actually driving down to key west I drove down A1A and then went That's all the, the way only down way to get to West, There's one way in and one well, way out. No, I, I, want, I drove right by Miami Beach. I was like, I'm going to do the... Oh, okay, you went the long... Beachfront long. Avenue, yeah. <laughs> long, long way. Okay, that, yes. But in Miami, during like rush hour, you're it's going to take you hours to get anywhere. But then like right now, yeah. um, it's 7.30. If I go out anywhere, I can make it there quickly. I mean, we don't have Atlanta, like that crazy I, yeah. traffic you guys have. Well... Yeah, ours is very similar to, um, I don't know, I guess I just, I'm just used to it because it's gotten to be, I, I guess I, and I also like going through Midtown, like if I'm getting off, if I'm going to Midtown, I get off on exit 250, which that's where all the traffic starts. So I generally bypass the traffic that way anyways. And I stayed north of the city too. So <laughs> good for you. Cause I mean, seriously, you guys have some traffic. Oh boy. Oh boy. Like anytime <laughs> it's like, it's just going to take me so long to get all the way to Alpharetta. It's just so, and it's not that far. Yeah. It's just traffic. Oh yeah. I mean, I've, I've left the city before and I'm like, it, when I leave going up I-75, it's like, I'm like, it, and I'm leaving at the North, the, like right at the 285 I-75, like that's where I used to work. And so when you just go North, I'm like, you have to, it, account for two hours just to get out of the city like i went up to Asheville one time and i'm like it took me two hours just to get out of the city <laughs> oh my god can we, can we just say that the one good thing about covid was all that time that we could actually drive around and not get traffic <laughs> like if there was yeah. i gotta look at the silver lining the one thing that covid did was for a while you could go out and there was nobody on the street it was it was oh nice. that is true yeah it was nice now now, if you ever drive through Atlanta, though, you have to go straight through the city because there's no reason to take the the bypasses because the bypasses don't bypass anything. Actually, they have more traffic. So. Oh, you're making it so hard for me to go like Atlanta. And I love Atlanta, but oh my God, I know. it's just too much. I think we've yeah. gone an hour and 35 minutes. <laughs> yes. But so like, we're going to end this soon. We're going to just end right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And what's what's interesting because then we'll end the broadcast. Emmanuel will continue to talk for an hour and a half because that's what always happens when I talk to people. Exactly. I know. Um, At least we're doing it now live so everyone can hear what we're saying. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, where else can everybody find you? 
Twitter is my main spot these days. Um, I'm, but you can find me on pretty much any social media. I'm just Bueno for Miami. It's a double entendre. Bueno in Spanish is good. So I'm good for Miami. There you go. <laughs> um, that's kind of my my uh, place. I'm really on Twitter a lot, probably more than I should be. I'm ashamed yeah. to say that I'm probably on Twitter most of the time. Oh my God, me too. Me too. <sighs> <laughs> I I've actually started peeling away from Twitter more and more and I realize like yeah it's it's better that way. <laughs> I love it's just Twitter. better for your mental health. I know it's so hard. And no, I'm having surgery next God. month and it's going to be like We didn't even talk about half the stuff that we were like I was like we should talk about Dave Chappelle because that was like so great. We didn't even get into it. How much talking are we going to do? <laughs> I know. Well, we talked about it, but I know it, that's the problem is we just go and we just, and we just talk, but it was a good conversation. So it was, it was great. And again, I, if people haven't watched you talk about the Dave Chappelle show, they should, because I think that it's a nuanced conversation and I think yes. you broke it down thank really, you. really well. Well, thank you. And, um, everybody should go support, um, people for Cuba as well as I think I put a link to your campaign, um, like yeah, your, both your websites are down at the moment. So if they're not working, give me a few days. Um, People for Cuba, we migrated it over to a new website. And the Martha Bueno one, I have yet to launch it. It's just, it's... Okay. <laughs> find me on Twitter, guys. I'm there. Um, just I'm just go there. talk and it'll be out. It'll, it'll be out eventually, I promise. I'm working on it. I got a team working on it. I just, I'm perfecting this and I want this site to be like awesome. And, Perfect, um, yeah. I get you. All right. And if you guys don't, make sure you guys click that subscribe button below and we will see you guys next time.